Maggie Garrett is the Legislative Director for Americans United for Separation of Church and State. She leads the National Coalition for Public Education, which opposes school voucher legislation, and she's the chair of the Coalition Against Religious Discrimination, the national coalition fighting to repeal the Bush faith-based initiative. With so many church-state issues coming to the forefront, uh, and we're taping this, I should mention, just after uh, President Trump's inauguration, uh, there's a lot of things I wanted to ask her about. So, Maggie, thank you uh, for joining me. And I guess my first question to you is, with all the things going on right now, especially when it comes to church-state separation, where do you guys even begin as an organization? Like, what are AU's priorities as this administration begins? Um, first, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here talking about these issues. Um, and I think that's actually a really good question because, um, you know, the election happened and that is sort of how a lot of us felt at Americans United. There is now so much to do. Where do we begin? How can we possibly get all of this work done? Um, and we've really started in the beginning right now, which is the nominations, because they moved so quickly and there have already been hearings on the three main nominations that we're opposing. So we're sort of focusing there, uh, but we are also gearing up to push back when the other things come, which are also going to be very fast, which are vouchers, um, Muslim bans, First Amendment Defense Acts, um, and the Johnson Amendment repeal that that Trump is pushing, which would allow churches to endorse candidates in elections. So we have a whole list of things, um, and we're just uh, spending a lot of evenings and weekends at Americans United trying to get ourselves geared up. Well, let's start with these cabinet nominees, since that's the most pressing uh, issue right now. Let me run through a couple of them, and let's talk about what the issue is with them, because this is not a partisan thing. This is a they are bad for church state separation and they bring a lot of ethical and uh, constitutional possible violations to the forefront. So uh, let me start with Jeff Sessions for attorney general. Uh, one of the things that I know bugged me that he said is when he was asked basically point blank a softball question about whether secular people uh, can secular people understand truth, I guess, in the same way religious people can? He basically said, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. And that's that's coming from me as an atheist. But I wonder if you had the same reaction. And what are some of the big issues as an attorney general uh, AU would be looking at? Right. We thought that was kind of extraordinary that he would say something like that in the hearing. But the, really, the question came from comments he made about um, Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor. He had suggested uh, when she was up uh, to become a Supreme Court justice that perhaps she wasn't religious enough and therefore didn't understand real truth uh, because she wasn't uh, faithful enough. And I think so that's which of is a ridiculous comment and kind of funny because she's Roman Catholic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 an outrageous comment. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you ask questions at hearings, um, you know, there's a danger, right, if you're on the opposite side of them, that they might, if you ask the question, they're going to clean it up and sort of make it so you can't use that point against them. But, um, you know, Senator Whitehouse asked this question, and everyone would expect that he would clean up his answer, right, and sure. say something innocuous, so he that couldn't, could no longer be used against him. And instead, his answer was, well... I'm not sure if someone who is secular has the same understanding of truth as someone who is religious. Um, I think that shocked a lot of people. 
And that's troubling for a lot of reasons if he's going to be the attorney general. I mean, first of all, he's supposed to be ensuring civil rights for everyone, regardless of religion. So right there, that's concerning if he's not seeing people um, the same. It's also concerning because he has to hire people in the Department of Justice. Um, and so is he going to hire people um, equally regardless of religion? Now, he'll, he'll say he will. Uh, but I think that his comment is quite dangerous. Yeah, you have to wonder if there'll be a religious test imposed on, even if it's not a formal one on these hires. Exactly. Um, okay, let me move on to education, which I'm sure is one you know dear to you uh, because you fought for vouchers. So Betsy DeVos, who is nominated for the Secretary of Education, she has she's a billionaire who has promoted charter schools in Michigan and a lot of public schools uh, teachers and the unions they've been opposed to it. The big issue with vouchers, as I know it, is that it would take money that taxpayer money that is basically reserved for public schools and move it so that parents have the option of sending their kids to private schools and or religious schools, effectively saying taxpayer money could be used to promote religious education. What else is there to that? Right. So that you're correct. That is one of the main problems, because. The, the most money in voucher programs go to religious schools. It's usually 80% or more of the money funds religious schools and religious education. Um, and that is why Betsy DeVos supports vouchers. She has talked about how vouchers help continue, they quote, continue to help advance God's kingdom, unquote. Um, so she is really doing this with a view of pushing forth her religious beliefs. Um, and her family has talked about uh, you know, teaching creationism in school. And at her hearing the other day, actually, I think it was Senator Whitehouse again, asked a good question Man's about on a roll. how, yeah, he's, he was on a roll. <laughs> um, uh, he asked a great question about junk science and what she would do to prevent junk science, including the teaching of creationism or intelligent design in school and, um, you know, climate change denial. And her answer <clears throat> was that, she supported science, in particular, critical thinking of science. <laughs> um, and of course, as I'm sure most people who uh, are listening know, that is definitely a code word that people use for teaching creationism. They're teaching critical thinking about evolution or they're right. teaching. We're teaching um, the controversy where exactly. <laughs> strengths exactly. and weaknesses of evolution, which in theory sounds fine, but Believe me, they're, the type of weaknesses they're referring to don't really exist when it comes to solid science like evolution. That's exactly right. Okay, yep. so that's definitely concerning, and that's even going beyond the grizzly bears that are going to come after our school <laughs> yes. children. Yes. And she, of course, also um, advocates for the deregulation of charter schools. Now, at Americans United, we don't take a position on charter schools because they're public schools, and so the First Amendment applies but when there's deregulation, what happens is no one is paying attention to what happens in those schools. And then we get schools that violate the law and teach religion. We're actually involved in a case right now in Arizona where we are suing because a charter school was teaching religious curriculum um, and no one was stopping them. So if there's no regulation, if there's no one watching what's happening, that's much more likely to happen. One of the criticisms I've heard to that 
is that, you know, well, public school teachers can basically get away with anything, too, because they're protected by the unions. So, you know, so much for this oversight thing. But the response I always gave is, no, I mean, people were always watching me. I had I was a public school teacher for several years. And if I did something wrong, there was a way to that I would be punished for it if that ever happened. Um, and the problem is that there is no system in place to do the checking. There is no oversight system, uh, even if it's not done correctly in a public school or even if things slip through the cracks. There is theoretically a way to handle those situations that is not found in all these charter schools. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it doesn't work perfectly, obviously, in the, the public schools and that we end up suing schools, right? right, because they're violating the law. But we have that mechanism um, and taking away the accountability is making it harder for that, not easier. Right. And if it's a good charter school, great. But the problem we've seen is not all charter schools work the same way. You can't put them under the same blanket as if they're all these great panaceas. Um, yes. Let me go to Scott Pruitt, the Environmental Protection Agency. Um, he is someone who basically denies the consensus on climate change. That it's he, He'll say that it's happening or something, but he won't say it's as dire of a threat as many scientists say. He won't acknowledge necessarily uh, man's contribution to climate change. What else is there to this guy? You know, to be honest, I have been focusing so much on DeVos, Price, and Sessions that we have not, um, you know, as you said, there's a million things thrown at you right. in every, right. so every single um, of the confirmation or the nominees are problematic in some way. Right. Um, and so we have not had a, a huge focus on him. Let me actually. let me jump to Price since you brought him up. Tom Price yep. is up for Health and Human Services. This is someone who, uh, as a House of Representatives member in Congress, he worked to defund Planned Parenthood. He wants to ban abortion uh, after like 20 weeks. And I, this is one thing I saw somewhere. He belongs to the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And this is not like the quintessential professional group. This is a type of group that perpetuates uh, this myth about, you know, vaccines lead to autism, things mm. like that. What are the other issues with Tom Price? So our main focus on him is about his understanding of what religious freedom means. So he is in the camp of people who um, thinks that religious freedom means you have the right to discriminate against other people and take away women's health care in the name of religion. Now, at Americans United, of course, that is not our understanding of, of religious freedom. We think that religious freedom means you have the right to believe or not believe, um, but you don't have the right to discriminate against other people with the excuse that your, your religion trumps um, current civil rights laws. Um, so you know about the contraception insurance coverage rules that the Obama administration put in, which essentially is um, that health insurance plans have to cover pre-existing conditions and contrast or not pre-existing conditions, um, preventative care and um, contraception falls within preventative care. And he referred to um, employers having to cover insurance to have insurance for contraception as trampling on the religious on religious freedom and religious liberty in this country. So he wants to, I mean, he wants to get rid of the entire Affordable Care Act, um, but in particular, he wants to get rid of the um, the insurance coverage for birth control because he says it violates religious freedom. He has um, also been a sponsor of the First Amendment Defense Act, which essentially again says that if your religious beliefs 
believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, um, that you get to ignore all laws that would protect people in marriages um, if they're same-sex couples, uh, which is a pretty extraordinary. Okay, so lots of lots of scary stuff going on. It does. Is there any chance that these nominees are not going to get confirmed because Republicans have an edge? And I think the all these subcommittees we're talking about, if they say yes and the subcommittees and the Senate approves them, which they have the majority in, is there any chance that these how seriously, I guess, is it is the possibility that these nominees will actually follow through with these worst fears that we have? So I think. Price, there's actually some controversy over Price as to whether he is going to get through. Now, it's really hard to stop a, a nominee from even getting through Congress or getting through the Senate. It's really hard. Price, however, is now having some ethical issues with um, stocks and getting paid for speeches and all sorts of things. So I think that, that he is an easier target um, as the Democrats are trying to stop some nominations. Betsy DeVos, who uh, she her her performance at her hearing was quite upsetting. <laughs> she really didn't know what she was talking about. And yet that probably won't prevent her from getting confirmed. Um, and but I guess to put put that another way, let's say someone like DeVos does become the secretary of education. Is there a very real fear that she has the power to transfer all this money to religious schools, because I've heard, I will hear from some atheists, I'm sure I've heard from a couple already, who are like, okay, I mean, even if she becomes Secretary of Education, she can't give money to these religious schools because that's unconstitutional. So what's the big deal? So under the U.S. Constitution, um, the Supreme Court has held that at least one voucher program was constitutional. And the states, of course, have their own constitutions, and it varies by state as to whether or not they can have voucher programs that go to um, religious schools. So whereas you know, our position is that it should be unconstitutional, and our reading of the Constitution is that vouchers that go to religious schools are unconstitutional, but unfortunately the Supreme Court, um, in a case called Zellman, uh, disagreed with us. And but so we have to go sort of state by state. So there's, you know, currently there's only one voucher program that exists that is federally funded. That's the voucher that Congress forced upon the District of Columbia. That is up for reauthorization. Um, and because the president has been pushing for vouchers and the new who will likely be the new secretary of education has is a big proponent of vouchers. We're expecting the push to reauthorize the DC voucher is going to happen very early and that they are likely to expand the voucher in some way, um, whether it is more money towards it, whether it is allowing more students into it. We're not quite sure. And I know a lot of people are listening and thinking, well, that's the district of Columbia. What does that mean to me? Well, what it means to you is that your taxpayer dollars from wherever you are around the country is going to the, the federal government and they are spending it on vouchers in D.C., which, again, 80 plus percent of those funds go to religious schools. OK, so, so these are very real fears. Things could happen and uh, the pathway is being formed for that. Yes. Yes. Uh, let me ask you. Let me shift gears for a second. Let's talk about the Supreme Court, because there are eight members. There is an ideological split. Uh, Obama couldn't appoint Merrick Garland. 
Mm-hmm. So the odds are that when Trump says this is my nominee, which he says he'll do in like a week or two, uh, that person will probably be in the mold of Justice Scalia, far yes. right. So the question is, what he said when he was campaigning is, here is my list of possible nominees to the Supreme Court. And it was one that featured a lot of very conservative, evangelical Christians who have a record of voting in that way. I mean, this is the religious rights wish list, and it certainly animated them to get to the polls to support him. I mean, a lot of religious right leaders said, yeah, Trump has done a lot of horrible, horrible things, but look at those Supreme Court picks. Right. What are the chances that Trump lies to them like he lies to pretty much everyone else? And he just, he doesn't appoint one of those people. I mean, what are the chances he appoints a qualified person who isn't ideological in that way. I mean, I think it's hard to say uh, a court pick would not be ideological, but what's the uh, what are the chances he doesn't appoint one of those people on that list? I think it is pretty slim that he does not appoint someone who's very ideo- ideological and who does not have um, a love for church-state separation. I think that that is one campaign promise that he is going to actually provide okay so let's say he does replace Scalia with someone just like Scalia is that something that is uh end of the world sort of scenario for a church state separation advocate because we're basically we would be going back to a supreme court like we had for many years um which yeah it's usually conservative but there is the swing vote in Kennedy I mean it doesn't seem like it's the worst thing ever but if he gets to a point more, it would be scary. What do you see happening with the Supreme Court, though? I think we should all be pretty troubled. I mean, it is true that we're going to be in the same spot that we were in with Justice Scalia if he gives us another Scalia. But that's just for now. I mean, we still have four more years uh, to see if there's another uh, Supreme Court position that is open. Uh, but, you know, there is there is a Supreme Court case right now at the Supreme Court that they have not scheduled because it was a 4-4 court. Um, and it is involving giving money to religious schools. And so that could, you know, with wh- whoever the new person is, it could really change the landscape of that case. Um, so, yeah, and, and I also just want to sort of interrupt for a second and say I, I feel like I'm giving sort of a doomsday scenario and I don't want people to leave this thinking like oh these nominees are definitely getting through and you know the Supreme Court justice is definitely going to be terrible and so um, you know there's nothing for me to do and and to just sort of uh, retreat and think that pushing back isn't a good idea Um, I think that you know for all of these nominees it is important to speak out and I I I just worry that people will sort of retreat Um, and it's important to speak out even if you are senator is conservative and you think, well, they're not going to listen to me. Um, It is important that they hear back from people because if they don't hear back from people, that's just an easy vote for them. That's an easy move. Uh, But if they're hearing from the very beginning pushback, um, that will stick in their minds. And I would say I live in Illinois and my two senators are fantastic on these issues. They need to hear, too, because to know that, no, I want you to keep the pressure on because I don't want uh, this person Yeah, that's exactly right. So people who do agree with you um, are also in a position where they're fighting every single issue. Right. And so it's it is going to come down to them picking and choosing like what what is my big battle? What is my smaller battle? And so it's important for us to keep church state issues at the forefront of their mind 
Um, otherwise, they will say, well, you know, I got a million emails about this and two about this. Um, and so I've got to focus on the one that I got more complaints about. So it is really important for even those people who are on our side to to keep up the pressure and to give them some support. Let me ask you, as a legislative director for AU, you're not just looking at the Supreme Court. You're looking at appellate courts. You're looking at district courts. And, you know, one of the one of the legacies for Barack Obama is that he appointed a lot of judges to those courts. And I wonder what the outlook looks like, at least for those. I mean, most of the cases you handle are going to be heard at those levels. And does that bode well for church-state separa- uh, separation issues over the next few years? Or are you worried that, you know, whoever they put in those positions over the next few years are going to really change the balance of those courts? I'm always worried about the courts. Um, lucky for me, though, I don't sue anybody anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> that is up to our, our legal department. So they have to worry about it more than I do uh, once people get on the court. But, um, yeah, I think it's always something that's troubling. There's a lot of positions open. They stalled in the past of and didn't let a lot of Obama's nominees get through. Um, and so we're already starting. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but we're already starting with a huge deficit of judges and empty um, courtrooms that really need to get filled, and Trump will be able to fill them with his um, Republican-run Senate. What do you think President Obama's legacy will be when it comes to church-state separation issues? I think the president has done, the now former president, did a lot of good things and yet also didn't fix some things he should have. So we have been advocating for a long time to fix the Bush faith-based initiative. And that is that the President Bush, when he came in, he changed the rules for government partnerships with religious organizations that uh, provided government services. So like, um, you know, a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter, organizations, you know, religious organizations would sometimes perform those um, and take government money as contractors or grantees. And the Bush administration really knocked down all the church-state separation protections. So one good thing that he did was he changed all of the regulations insofar as they provide protections to people who are getting those services. So things like if you are going to get a service and um, it is provided by a religiously affiliated organization, you'll get notice. This is a religiously affiliated organization. You can go to an alternative if you want one. They can't force you to pray. They can't have religious content, things like that. So giving a lot of protections um, that weren't there for beneficiaries. Now, the bad thing that he did not fix is um, the religious discrimination problem. So Bush administration changed the rules so that grantees could take taxpayer dollars and then put a religious litmus test on who they hired. Um, We asked Obama to overturn that, and he didn't. Um, And so that is still sitting there. And so money going out um, for all social service programs, essentially, um, organizations can discriminate in hiring on the basis of religion if they're a religiously affiliated grantee. And that's pretty bad. That is pretty bad. Uh, (laughs) Was he was he better than other Democratic presidents? Was he uh, someone who will be remembered as someone who minus a couple blips here and there, was good for church state separation? Or is this one of the uh, problems with his legacy? I, you know, I think that is a, that's a pretty big problem with his legacy. But he did do other things, like um, when he signed an executive order 
to make it so that government contractors couldn't discriminate against LGBT workers, um, the the opponents of that protection wanted a religious exemption in there, and he refused to give that to him. And so that was a huge win for us, that he did not provide a religious exemption in that case. So some good, some bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it's because my focus for eight years, nine years has been on the faith-based initiative and the hiring problem, uh, that it, 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 maybe it's just personal to me. Okay. <laughs> Let me, uh, ask you one last question here, which is, I wonder if you hear this as someone who works at AU. I've heard this from some friends who said, oh, Trump got elected. That's got to be good for all the stuff you do as a blogger, podcaster, whatever, because there's going to be so much material for you to work with. (laughs) And I wonder if at AU you're like, people have said to you or any of your colleagues, this must be good for business. This must be good for the organization because you will have so many issues to take care of. And I know my reaction's been like, you know, I I was blogging for eight years of Obama. I never suffered from a lack of material. Um, I don't know what the reaction is there or if you even hear that at all. I do hear that. I hear a lot of people say, well, at least it's job security for me, <laughs> um, which, which is true. Uh, but... But yeah, I mean, even with Obama, there was still a ton to do. There's a a ton to do in the states. There's a ton to do um, in Congress. Even if you knew, you know, Obama was going to ultimately veto something if it got to him, um, you know, that's not something you want to rely on. So I think I'd rather uh, have a a slow four years um, than have to deal with the onslaught of church-state violations um, that we're going to see. Fair enough. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much for enlightening us, joining us, and talking about this issue, especially uh, today of all days. And if people are interested in being part of AU, joining AU, or learning more about what the organization does, where should they go? They can go to au.org and sign up. Easy enough. Thank you so much for your time, Maggie. Appreciate it. Thank you.